Welcome to Timberline Windsor. Thanks for joining us this weekend. We are a church family that strives to let love live in every facet of our lives. We at Timberline Windsor desire everyone, every man, woman, and child that calls this church family home to be a part of Connections. To join one today, visit our website or download the Timberline app. Enjoy today's message. Um, a couple of years back, probably eight, eight and a half years back, um, I was in a season of life where I, I knew that a job change and, and even a relocation was, was a reality for Kay and I and our family. And I don't know about you, but I could not stand being in the interview season of life where, you know, you had all these phone calls and all these video conferences and, and man, the, the minutes before those phone calls started, you have a phone call, an interview at 1.30, from like 1.20 to 1.30 is agonizing, for me at least, right? Like, I got to remember, you know, how do I look? What's the background look like? How am I going to present myself? What's this company or, or church or whatever I was, uh, you know, connecting with? What's, what's going on on their end? And I will admit, I was not in a good headspace leading into all these different engagements. And so one of the things that I did is I got this wiffle ball. And uh, in the like 15, 10 minutes before the interview, I would force myself to just like throw the wiffle ball against the wall. Like, don't take yourself so seriously, relax. And, and I actually didn't just wanna specify that time as like, hey, get out of your head, do something physical or whatever. But I also wrote Philippians 4, 4 through 7 on it. Now, Philippians 4, 4 through 7 is a beautiful passage that says, do not be anxious about anything. Let your reasonableness be known to all and, and surrender your thoughts in thanksgiving and praise to the God who will guide your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I can't think of a better place to like put my mind ahead of these interviews than God, I'm surrendering to you. I'm, I'm not anxious about this. Even if I feel anxious, I, I'm, I'm gonna try to replace that with putting myself, laying myself down at the foot of the cross and letting you guide my heart and my mind. It was, it was a season where I learned, you may not, you probably won't be able to control the first thought that hits your brain about something, but you can be proactive and surrender the second thought and the third thought and so on. See, your whole world, my whole concept of the world and, and the realities even beyond that is encapsulated in the space between our ears. Many of you who are Timberliners will say, that sounds an awful lot like Pastor Dick Foth. You can tell he's on our teaching team with that phrase. New to church, maybe new or interested in a faith in Jesus. This is something that this week we're starting. Over the next six weeks, we're going to be in a sermon series. And those of you that are engaging in the bonus resources deeper, you're going to be engaging in this more and more throughout the week, beginning a short six-week look at something we know you care about. Because fitness and health and intentional thought life is a big deal for people in our community, people in our congregation right now. Think about it right now. How's your thought life? Even as I'm talking, even as you're listening to me, or hopefully listening to me, we're all there. And through this biblical lens, we're opening up avenues of healthy, strong proactive thinking. We're, we're taking the time to, to stop, not, not let our flesh or our circumstances just control whatever we're thinking, but stop, reflect, and allow God 
to guide our thinking. And like we said with our recent sermon on, on Judas and also on Thomas, that we're not trying to have 30 minutes of a comprehensive word on, on mental health and thought life. We're continuing the conversation. And with that, we even want to provide you, the people, us, the people of the church with extra resources beyond just the weekends. There's one online resource that we're launching this week called The Well. It's going to be a compilation of of different resources that our pastoral team has come up with on different topics. And and if you go to The Well on our online website, you'll see that that it's it's going to build each week as we go. We've kind of already proactively put in some resources on next week's topic being depression people you can talk to, resources you can engage. And then for for students, we're going to include some grab-and-go resources available at the farmhouse and more to come later. We're we're striving to equip the people of the church with more resources, ensuring that this is a continuation of the conversation on what does it mean to have a healthy mind. But one thing right off the bat that I know is critical especially anytime you talk about a biblical lens of our thinking, is to ensure that we understand that this is not a matter of willpower. Like, get your head right. (laughs) No, we're much more desperate than that. It's not just that I don't have the willpower to rightly think about a certain thing. I don't even know the right sort of things to be thinking about. Left to myself, my thought life can be a mess. How many times have you found yourself spinning your wheels, thinking about something only to find that that it was nowhere near worth that time or that energy, right? And anyone, is is anyone here the overanalyst like me, the, the person that can just spiral in their thinking? Anyone, you can raise your hand. Yes, we should have a support group right now, you brave hand raisers. That's why I love personally, like, like I love this subtitle that we selected as a teaching team. We actually kind of fought over this one and I'm glad that we won and kept it. The subtitle for this series is healthy mind. God help us. God help us. If God doesn't help heal and direct our thought life, we're sunk. Because you and I don't just need renewed thinking on the things that we deal with in our lives. We do need that. But we need a whole massive overhaul on the things we don't even think about. That's why we plead, God help us. Would you say that with me? God help us. Okay, one more time and mean it as you say it. God help us. Oh, so good. There's, there's a key verse as as a foundation to this series. It's found in Romans chapter 12, verses one through two. And we'll get to that in a bit as we're gonna do some extensive study on that, on what Paul's saying in those verses and, and the 11 chapters that preceded it. But before we get to that, there's, there's this setting, this mental picture that I wanna make sure that we have, this backdrop to the whole series that was w- written by a guy named Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Jeremiah 17 Verse seven, blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. And for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not 
cease to bear fruit. For a guy known as the weeping prophet, that's a pretty beautiful picture he's painting there. Trusting the Lord is, is like planting yourself by a, by a steady stream of water and ensuring that your roots grow towards that. That's about all the willpower you and I are going to need to survive the circumstances, the seasons, the troubles that we face, the heat and the drought. That steady stream of water does the rest. <laughs> That's what trust in the Lord ensures that you survive, you, you even thrive and bear fruit even in times of crisis because your roots are not dependent on the seasons or the circumstances around you. Because you have planted yourself by the steady stream, though faithful water does the rest. That's a piece of the question I know that many of you have, as believers have received over time from people that they see what's going on in your life, maybe especially times of crisis. And several of you have actually shared this with me recently that you've gotten the question from somebody saying, how do you do it? How do you stay calm or keep the hope in such difficult times? What's different about you, especially in times of struggle that, that you strive to keep your head and stay anchored in your faith? Of course, never perfectly, but I know that it's a question that several of you have received from people. And the answer to that question is very simple and very, very accurate. Kind of like with a shrug, it's God helps me. God helps me. The power of God at work within me does what I myself could not do. And in fact, would probably do the opposite if left to my own thought life. But when God helps me, I find that somehow, some way, I can weather the drought and the heat that comes against me and allow the faithful spring waters to renew me. What refreshing spring-like imagery we're invited into in God help us. Help us plant ourselves by that stream. You ever ridden a motorcycle? If you've ever ridden a motorcycle, one of the things you learn first is that you go where your head goes. If you want to make a, a tight, sharp turn, you got to start to look that way and it kind of engages the rest of your body naturally and you're going to go where you look. And if you're borrowing your brother's bike, not bitter about this, but you're borrowing your brother's bike and where you look is the driveway because you're afraid of falling there, guess where you're going to end up and guess where my bike's going to, sorry. A little bitter. But you go where you look. With our thought life, there are reasons people find themselves stuck in ruts. You find yourself stuck in a rut where, where you're focusing on the circumstances. Here I am again, and I'm, I'm looking at where I'm stuck. Unhelpful, harmful thinking, which we're going to talk about throughout this whole series each week. The ruts where we keep looking. They're what we keep focusing on. And I'm not saying this as a condemnation. I'm there too. I've got my ruts. Spirit spiraling. Spiraling. Like I alluded to before, full disclosure, I hope you'll give me grace on this one. But I cannot just overanalyze a thing, but just analyze and spiral and analyze and spiral and analyze and spiral so much about a thing that I end up as a wreck and lose sleep over it. And not because the thing merited that kind of depth at all. 
Kay has given me a super helpful boundary of sorts saying that, that I am allowed, in, a, in analyzing a circumstance, I am allowed one opportunity in a day to analyze and process that thing all I want. Go ahead, take your time, go ahead and focus on it, analyze it, do, but, but unless the circumstances change, that's your one. <laughs> you get one opportunity to process it and analyze it. And again, I'm, I'm being kind of vulnerable here with this. So I guess I'm, I'm trusting that in sharing this, there's no judgments on me or on Kay, but I do share it because yes, even as your pastor, the guy that they allow up here with a mic, I'm there too in pursuing a healthy mind. I need this, what we're learning and gleaning from scripture. God help us. So if you can relate to that on any level, the Bible calls you and I to pay attention to those kind of ruts in our thinking and allow the spirit to renew our minds. Okay, here we go. We're going to dive into that, that foundational verse that Paul writes in his letter to the believers in Rome. Chapter 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If you've got Bibles or Bible apps with you, that would be the verse, the passage to underline or highlight because that's the basis for this whole series of rooting ourselves in, in healthy thinking that's guided by God. And if you don't have Bibles with you, we would love for you to bring those each week. Be active, not just recipient of engaging in the word of God, but be active, make notes, highlight things, come back to it and study it later. And of course, as always, if you need a Bible, on your way out, grab one. No need to pay for it because of the people faithfully giving through this church family. We love to provide those for you. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore. Maybe you've heard pastors say before, it's a phrase that, that we like and many of us have been trained on. Anytime you see a therefore word, you need to be able to answer, what is it? Therefore, kind of cute, right? Therefore, all the preceding 11 chapters of, of Paul's letter to the Roman believers sets the basis for this appeal, for this exhortation. And some of you are going, uh-oh, we're not going to have to read the past 11 chapters of Romans, are we? No, but that's not bad homework for you. But we can take on the past 11 chapters in, in summary form. Chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 3, verse 20 talks about God's righteousness and his righteous incompatibility with sin. This is mankind's problem. And then chapters 3, verse 21 through 4, 25, the saving righteousness of God. That'd be God stepping in and doing what only he could do to help mankind in their situation, in our situation. And then chapter 5, verse 1, through chapter 11, verse 36, leading up to this, our passage today is the hope. The hope that we have in the righteousness that comes by faith in what God has done available to the Jews and the Gentiles. And that'd be the basis of the good news, the gospel. 
So upon that foundation, we get to Romans 12 verses one and two. We're going to read it again. So because we now have kind of a context of what has led up to that. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, by the great mercy that God extended to you first, your response is to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, your response to him. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We don't find ourselves as Christians surrendering to where our flesh would naturally have us or where our circumstances place us. We pause and we surrender ourselves. We lay ourselves down and say, God, you renew my thinking. Me just pressing my own refresh button doesn't do anything. God, I need you to renew my mind. Paul here, he doesn't say the renewing of your own mind. He says the renewal of your mind. Your mind is being renewed, not by your power, but by God's. And I know that there's a lot of Christianese language kind of flowing around right here. We are dealing with Paul's letters. It's how he talks. But I do want to kind of boil it down for us today so that we can all kind of, no matter where you're at in faith, understand what we're talking about here. So I want to boil it down like this. There is both power and partnership with God. A healthy mind comes through the power of God and my partnership with God. If you're note takers, if you're outline filler outers like Linda is and her family, this is the first outline point. A healthy mind comes through the power of God and my partnership with God. Like I said in the beginning, this is not a matter of willpower. This is not a matter of just get your head right. There is a real, true power of God at work to do what we ourselves could never do. Even all the great efforts and extensions of humanity, things like counseling or academics or providential relationships, good things, good things that God does use, in our lives, but even those things in and of themselves, very helpful, very necessary pieces, but there's an incomparable, irreplaceable power of God that we must rely on in healthy mind. And we get to be in partnership with him, with the ways God directs our thinking. And I was inspired over the last couple of weeks because we had that challenge leading up, that invitation leading up to Easter. Share where your encounter of the resurrection power of God was. And one of the things we initially intended was that people would, you know, just kind of say, hey, here was my resurrection. I can name it. I can, it was, it was loneliness or it was depression or it was alcoholism. And, and people shared some awesome vulnerable places where the resurrection power of God met them in their desperation and changed everything. But one of the things that, that I didn't expect was that people took those posters home and spent weeks working on two things. One, reflecting on where was that season of desperation and hurt and need. And then then what changed? How did the power of God meet me in such a way that I could put it down in a phrase or a word? That's worship. 
That's the kind of thinking that Paul says here is holy and acceptable to God is your spiritual act of worship, renewing your thinking about something. It's worship when you reflect like that, when you reflect on what has God done in my life and how would I articulate that? It's worship when you're thinking about others the way God would think about them. It's worship when you give because of a reflection and an overflow that God has always been so generous to me. How can I not be generous to the people around me? When you're faithful in serving, when you're sacrificially living as a, what Paul calls here, a living sacrifice, as we're going to talk about a bit more in a bit, in ways that model Jesus, there's beautiful worship taking place there. Partnership with the Lord in that. It's like every phrase here in, in Paul's exhortation in these two verses is just power packed. We've already covered the therefore statement and also the spiritual worship statement. And there's even more that those of you that, that are engaging with our bonus resources and your connections, more that we're equipping you to unpack and go deeper on this week. But for our time this morning, we've still got two to cover. And the next one is renewal. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. A dedicated life or mind, verse one, is also a life or mind of constant renewal. Verse two. A tree, the biblical metaphor that is constantly equated with humanity, the tree that experiences no renewal might have a season of health, a season of bearing fruit but then it'll go dormant. And the same can be said for a life that professes faith in Jesus, might have a single season of, of fruit and thriving, but then goes dormant. If you don't experience constant renewal, if you don't allow your roots to seek the steady and faithful water, but the tree that has roots that stretch to that steady stream of water experiences constant renewal. See, you didn't, as a believer, just give your life to Jesus at one point and he changed your life. He did all that, but he's not done. You are giving your life to Jesus and he is changing you. Constant renewal. Renewed minds think differently than we once did. We grow in this. We are renewed to look less and less like our former selves. That's why I love keeping this wiffle ball in front of me, remembering that there was a season where left to myself, my thinking would have put me in places that I don't even know how damaging and, and limiting that might've been. But, but as I surrendered my thinking to God and said, you help me, I can't do this. I don't even know where to start. We think differently. We act differently, we serve differently, we give differently. Our marriages look different than they first did. Our parenting is changing as we see the way Jesus modeled love for us. And that's not just a one-time change. I will live and talk and serve differently two years from now than I do today. And two years after that, and two years after that, and so on, constant renewal. Remembering that kind of fun motorcycle example I talked about before, that when we look 
primarily at our world and, and the troubles that we're facing. That's where we're going to go. Those are the ruts we're going to find ourselves in. But when we are regularly looking at Jesus through his word and through the ways that he shows himself to, to us in relationships, like in our connection groups, we are constantly renewed to see him and see him anew, refreshed. And sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we look the wrong way or take our eyes off of where they're supposed to be. We make mistakes and our thought life health suffers because of it. I've been there. Our marriages have been there. Our service opportunities have been there. Imperfect and a work in progress. And thankfully, by the mercies of God that Paul talks about here, those imperfections too are subject to renewal. I view it like like a constant refresh button that as we dive into the word and we dive into relationships with one another, we're constantly refreshed and renewed and the things that need to be done away with, they're done away with. And the things that need to be seen and engaged in a new way, that happens too because we are looking at Jesus together. Refreshed, renewed, refreshed, renewed where, where Jesus did not just change our life somewhere in the past. He is changing our life. I love saving the best part for last. The last phrase that we need to study in that, that foundational passage of Romans 12 is this. Present your whole self as a living sacrifice. That's Old Testament language right there. The, the people that Paul was writing to, the Jews, they would understand the Jews that were believers in Rome, they would understand this sacrificial language. This was their hinge piece of their relationship with God. And you and I have some struggle to view something like this, to relate to something that's so culturally and historically and spiritually rooted. They would know and remember that there was a literal scapegoat that the people would slaughter and transfer to it the consequence for their sins, all by the instructions of God. But this time, as Paul talks about a sacrifice, it's a living sacrifice, still entailing sacrifice, still entailing surrender, but also now the blessing that we don't have to pay the heavy penalty of death for our sin, our waywardness. Jesus did that. Better than any mere scapegoat, God himself was the one on which all of our consequence for sin would be placed and paid for in full. And in exchange, you and I receive his power at work within us, power that, that cleanses us and renews us. One death was required and one death was willfully given by Jesus which starts to make all the sense in the world that when the enemy came to Jesus, when, when Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, all it seems the enemy was trying to do was see if Jesus could possibly bypass the cross. I will give you all this, all dominion, all fame. Everybody will know who you are if you just bow down to me and bypass the cross. We can get this done. The enemy tried to engage Jesus in unhealthy thinking the opposite of what our series is trying to engage. Just bypass the cross. But here's the thing. The, the cross was not the enemy's plan. 
The cross was God's plan. Let me say that again. The cross was not the enemy's plan. The cross was God's plan. Because God knew that only a perfect sacrifice could be sufficient to be our substitute. And he paid it so that we would not have to experience that death penalty for our sin, but we may have his eternal life and his power at work within us and refreshing us and renewing us. What a foundation for a series this is. Such good news, such needed remedy for all the unhealthy, unhelpful thinking my mind can get caught on. Healthy mind, God help us. Let's pray together. God, I know that as we enter into this series, there are so many of us that find ourselves in desperate need of a renewal of our minds. And church, right now, if this is personal for you, I don't want you to go another moment in this service just receiving this. I want you to take some kind of action. Eyes are closed. People aren't looking around. But if you need a renewal of your mind, would you raise your hand so I could pray for you? I'm there. Yeah. Oh God, you see these hearts. You see these hands. You know all the things that are banging around in our heads. Things that have happened to us, things that we can't get our heads around, even mistakes that we've made or shortcomings that we have. Whatever it is, God, you know our thoughts all together. They are not a surprise to you. And what we pray today is that we would stop and pause and lay these thoughts, lay our minds down before you saying, God, here I am. I need you to guide my thinking. I need you to renew my thinking. I need to allow the roots of my thought life to go and find and soak up that steady, faithful, good stream. So God, I pray for those like me that need that renewal, need that refresh button. Renew our minds, God, that we are not conformed to this world, but we are transformed by the renewal of our minds in Christ Jesus. God, I also pray for those of us as believers that need to exercise driving our roots deeper to find that steady stream. We need to allow our roots in scripture to go deeper. We need to allow our roots in relationship with one another to go deeper. Help us soak up who you are and how you would guide and direct our thinking. And lastly, God, I pray for those that need to allow you to be their ultimate and complete payment for sacrifice, payment for sin, that they need to hear that they do not need to clean up or straighten up their life or get their head right. They need to say, Jesus is the full and complete payment for my waywardness, my unhealthy thinking. You have paid it all, Jesus, and now I want to... Uh, serve as a living sacrifice to you. I want to give my life to you. I pray for those that need that kind of renewal in their soul. Jesus, we thank you for your love, that it is that steady stream 
by which no matter what season we're in or trouble we're facing, we can soak it up and know that you love us. We hope you encountered the love and power of Jesus in today's service. If you're interested in giving, for joining serving opportunities, and much more, visit TimberlineChurch.org connect. Have a great week. Go be the church and let love live.